This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. everyone, Devoresta here, and I'd like to welcome you to my channel. And if you are new here, please consider subscribing. This way you can be notified of all the upcoming Shirem and join in on the fun. Um, and speaking of fun, please join in in this mitzvah and share it with someone. And today, I'm really excited for today's guest, guys. He was featured in my docuseries and the book, The Last Anusa. My guest is an American Orthodox Rav, public speaker, author, prolific researcher, and he's a pulpit rabbi who has a global following and is one of the most popular English-speaking Torah teachers in the contemporary Jewish landscape. His sharing can be found on Torah Anytime, the OU website, Cole Brahma Radio, Shas Illuminated, Hitabrut, Hazak, and YouTube, just to name a few. I would like to welcome to my channel, and I, again, I'm so excited, Rabbi Daniel Gladstein. Welcome, Rabbi. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored and humbled and excited for this opportunity. And I think it just, uh, what we're going to speak about today is so appropriate, cannot be more appropriate, preparing for Rosh Hashanah in the month of Elul. And it's wonderful to see you again. And and uh, actually, I'm, I'm so grateful that you came to our family, Bris, a number of years ago. And, and I remember. just to get right into it, you came with the jewelry that dated back to the Inquisition. Which, and which I just... have more, by the way. There's a ring, which I don't know if you've seen it. And I have to have you see it because I don't know anyone who's as learned as you are in this area. And the ring is comprised of a, of a number of, it forms a letter. And it's hidden to the naked eye. But within the eye, there are two luchos and the staff of Moshe in it. And this ring is clearly, clearly very old. Um, and I know you'd be excited to see it because I know you're so into the history of all of this. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So um, it's an honor to have this connection with you because I know you're, you're like an ambassador and representative, not only of your own personal journey, but I think many people look up to you as their ambassador to the whole community of the Conversos in America and beyond, you were telling me before that they're conversos as far as... Uh, the Philippines. And it makes sense because it, it really makes sense when you think about where Spain has been and when they were conquering these new lands. And it, it's really... I think what was so amazing was just how far-reaching the damage that was done by the Inquisition and by this time in, in Jewish history that we're still seeing people who can clearly, you know, trace, they have a, a, a tried and, you know, a very long tradition of knowing that they come from this ancestry. Many of them have walked away. And the Philippines, I know in particular, uh, there are no shuls that they can go to. So they kind of just taken the B'nai Noach route. Um, and, and it's really remarkable. Unbelievable. It's, it's, very, it's just, it's, and I think it's exciting because what I think so ex exciting is that, you know, not many people know, but I featured recently on my new series, which is part two to the glass Anusa, the remnant, there was a Navua. And this Navua talks about the Anusim, which I really think gives a lot of hope. Um, I, you know, I think it gives a lot of hope in that it's, you know, there's, there's a portion that says that Hashem will wake them up like the dew. 
which yeah. is really great because it means that we don't have to do anything. Hashem will do it all, you know, for them. But I think what was so, I think what is so special, even from the time that I first heard it from you t- till today, which I heard it from you years ago. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that the Abarbanel who was in, he was the boots on the ground in the thick of it. Um, he gave this nouveau and I thought it was so special because even he saw that one day they will come back. And I feel that that's what we're seeing now that we're seeing yeah. that prophecy come to life. What do you think about all of this? Yeah. Let's, you know, I think uh, for the sake of the audience, it's worthwhile to just reiterate what, what this prophecy is. And I just, uh, before our, our meeting, our interview, I took out my Abarbanel on the Trey Asar. And in the last verse in Ovadia, the last two verses of Ovadia, we have a Pasuk that says that the exile of the Jewish people that reached all the way to France. And then the Ovadia says the exile of Jerusalem. And the Abarbanel says the most prestigious of the families of Jerusalem were descendants of King David and the tribe of Yehuda, Asher Besfara, they were exiled to Spain. So the first thing we have to realize is that Spanish Jewry were really the, the crowning glory of the Jewish people. The ancestry of Spanish Jewry dated back and traced back their lineage to the Shevet of Yehuda, which is the greatest of all the tribes, and to King David himself. And the, the prophet is saying, they will eventually inherit the cities of Israel and come back to Eretz Yisrael. And the Barbanel is troubled. How could the prophet say that the uh, Jews of Spain will inherit Israel? There are no Jews in Spain. They're all, they're all gone. And this he wrote more than 500 years ago. There are no Jews in Spain, almost 600 years ago. And the Barbanel writes, uh, uh, prophetic words that you refer to. The Ulai, he says perhaps, Shekivan Gamkain, that it's referring to, El Bene Yisrael Asher Yatsu Mikal Hadas, to the Jewish people that were converted. Now tens of thousands of Jews were converted in, um, in Spain. Actually, what's not emphasized so much is that in 1391, 101 years before, 200,000 Jews were forcibly converted in Spain. And then in 1492, tens of thousands of more Jews um, were forcibly... Well, well, it's interesting. Um, 300,000 Jews were forced to leave Spain and hundreds of thousands converted again in 1492. Actually, you know, this week I had the privilege I visited Rabbi Beryl Wine and I just heard on one of his recordings... And there are different accounts of this. But today in Spain, 90% of Spaniards have Jewish blood. Could you imagine? I believe believe that. 90%. It's amazing. And it's funny because you touched on this on on your trip years ago about when you're walking around, you're going to see people with Jewish blood. And, And I remember when I was there. Which, by the way, I don't know that I would have had the koyak, was it not for your shiurim, to, to <laughs> give me the, the hizuk to go. Yeah. And by the way, we hope to go back there um, this summer uh, to Spain and to Portugal and then perhaps to Amsterdam because many of the, you know, conversos. My, uh, I, have a, I, have a great, I have a set of great grandparents that were there. Clara Rachel, whose family died in Portugal in the Inquisition. 
she escapes to the to Amsterdam, where she where she meets up with my great grandfather Moshe Levi, um, and together, you know, they they lived the life of Judaism. They came to Curacao. Um, I mean, she had an amazing journey, and I hope to feature her story as well on the remnant because it really, you know, I think where there's a Clara Rachel, there's a there's a lot more behind them, and these stories. Um, you have to imagine what life must have been like, you know, by the time 1492 comes into play, like you said, there's already a hundred and some odd years of this, you know, they're born into this, this system history. already. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we were having a conversation the other day about this uh, misnomer, the, the golden age of Spain. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be talking about that with another rabbi and we're going to, there's not the I want to do a feature called the not so golden age of Spain. Yeah, so I'll leave that for, you know, for other scholars, but, but the, the history of Spanish Jewry was one of persecution, pogroms, forced conversions, and there is really only a brief respite for 200 years. And when we say respite, that's ironically in the year 711, the, uh, Muslims came up through the Strait of Gibraltar and they conquered much of the Iberian Peninsula. And actually, we had more respite under their dominion than under the Romans and the Christians. And that's also another uh, very interesting subject, how uh, we don't think of it this way. But the original Christians and the Roman Empire, were they were barbarians, they were pagans. And the Muslims were the cultured scholars, philosophers, <laughs> mathematicians. It's true. And then... All of a sudden, it just changed on a dime. The entire mindset and manner of the development of Christianity, the Christian world became educated, they became cultured, they became um, they became developed. And then the Arabs were just, you know, the, the Muslims were, were stuck in time, frozen in time. So in 711, the Muslims conquered the Iberian Peninsula, but then... Uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, their dream of reconquest, of uh, reconquering the Iberian Peninsula. I think in 1478, they conquered much of the Iberian Peninsula, and there was only one last stand. I think that was Granada. And then in 1491, they conquered Granada. And uh, Ferdinand comes back. He says, Bama Eretza Elohim, how can I appease God? And I'm going to come back to Ferdinand, but I want to, I just want to, um, mentioned the prophecy of the Abarbanel, I got sidetracked. Abarbanel writes that these Jews who left Judaism, mitokef hatsaras, from the force of their pain, the hashmados and conversion, the nisharubat sarfas, and they remained in France with the Sfarad. By the way, um, you think it's not only Spain. Rabbi Wine said 40% of Western Europe has Jewish blood. I believe it. I believe it. And, and, and I, and I tell you because like, I remember when I came out with the last Anusa, the docuseries that was featured on YouTube and people from France, Italy, they were contacting me and saying, don't forget us too. And I'm thinking, this is like mind blowing. This is just like, they are everywhere. And I'm saying like, we need to like, I don't know, Hashem, and, and that's why I was so glad when I saw this Nuvu that Hashem will wake them up like they do. And I, I feel like that's what's happening, that that's what I'm witnessing is this wake up call and people's hearts just being illuminated with this realization that 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 this was not the Christianity was not their minhag, that they came from the Jewish nation and they want to return to the Jewish nation. And I'm praying 
so hard that Hashem will help me to bring these stories out, to let Klaus Ra know that your brethren are out there and they want to come home. So I'm so glad that, first of all, that, I, that I'm able to witness this. And then for Hashem to bring Rabbanam who were educated in this. I mean, it's, it's a very exciting time. In, yeah, I mean, in this Yishma, I can't help but tell you what an important role you play in, in the in the history and the development and the future and the destiny of the Jewish people that you're bringing your story to life, but your story is reflective of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of other stories. And you're going to give so many people of Jewish descent the courage to to investigate their roots and to investigate where they come from and to Bezras Hashem develop their connection um, to trace trace themselves back to Sinai where they where they came from. So Abarbanel writes Shehem yeah, um, these he says Alafim Uravavois Kihilois Kedolois not thousands and ten thousands of individuals thousands and ten thousands of communities. Listen to this. Tens of thousands of communities were lost. Shehem Yashuvu, they will return. And seek out Hashem. That's the prophecy at the end of Ovadia. And if I may add, the next prophet is the prophet of Yonah, the prophet of Tshuva. So it's a seamless segue between the prophecy at the end of Ovadia, according to the Barbanel, of the return of all these lost Jews and then the Yonah, the Navi Yonah cries out to them, return to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And uh, we're living in miraculous times. We always say, you know, if only we lived in the time that God took us out of Egypt, we would have seen the splitting of the Red Sea and blood. No, that's child's play. That doesn't compare to the miracles that we see with our own eyes of people coming out of the most remote areas. I remember the story you wrote in Mishpacha, in Puerto Rico, and in other uh, yes, and, and I think I mean when you're and when you think about it, it's funny. It's like a Shem one day we it just turned on the light bulb for me, and I'm thinking it makes perfect sense. These people are in remote places; they're untouched, and the, and the traditions that they have. Some Rabbanim have heard their tradition, and they say they keep it at a level that even now we don't keep. Even the women, even it's just amazing, and and they, you know, I think what's even more amazing is that if you think about their commitment to Hashem, that they they just kept hanging on, and some of them knowing that they were not going to see their own Geulah, their personal Geulah, but they kept doing it, knowing that these children would be the guarantors, and that one one day, one of their generations would be that generation. And I pray, Hizrat Hashem, that we are living in that generation. Yeah, amen, amen. And, you know, I think it's important to, to know, to recognize that whatever we read in the prophets, it, everything is alluded to in the Chumash, in the, in the Bible, in the Torah. So it occurred to me today that it has to be that this prophecy of the Abarbanel must be found somewhere in the Chumash. And not only is it found, the time that it will occur is basically blatant. You know, the Vilna Gaon teaches us a tradition. There are 11 parshios in Sefer Devarim, but Nitzavim and Vayelech could be viewed as one. And therefore, if we have 10 parshios, each parsha corresponds to another century of the sixth millennia. We know, according to Jewish tradition, we're now in the year 5782. 
and which means we're in the sixth millennium. The Vilna Gaon teaches the ten parashios of Sefer Devarim correspond to the ten centuries in the sixth millennium. So Parshas Devarim is the year 5000 to 5100. And then Va'eschanan is 5100 to 5200. And the 19th century, you see, it's interesting because the, the Jewish calendar and the uh, secular calendar were, uh, the Jewish calendar, uh, there's there's a little bit of uh, interesting um, trick to help convert a Jewish date into a secular date. You add the year 1240. So let's say the Spanish Inquisition, according to the Jewish calendar, occurred in the year Beran, Beis Reish Nun, which is 252. So if you add 1240 to that, you get 1492. So the Parshios of uh, Devarim, and this we write about in our humble Sefer on Elul and Rosh Hashanah, called the uh, the Mystery and the Majesty. Which, by the way, we're going to get to that in a second, because if you guys, uh, first of all, this, this whole interview is just, treasures upon treasures but i'm literally going to give you a treasure for rosh hashanah in a few we're going to get to that but i want to hear this nevuah and where we are okay so i want to share with you um the vilna Gain teaches that the 10 sedges the 10 parashas of devarim correspond to the years of uh of the sixth millennia of the jewish calendar so the way it works is the year 5000 to 5100 is 1240 to 1340 and 5100 to 5200 is 1340 to 1440. So that means Parshas Kisavai, which is the Parsha of the Tochacha, the stern rebuke and the stern admonitions and punishment that correspond to the year 1840 to 1940, which could not be a more graphic decision, um, description of the year 1840 to 1940. You have World War I, which is the greatest upheaval in the history of the world. World War One, And you have the onset, 1939-1940, the beginning of the Holocaust. And then Parshas Nitzavim will then continue to describe the Holocaust. And if you look in the verses in Nitzavim, you have God got angry at that land to bring all the curses that are mentioned in the Sefer. And God cast them off the land. Be'af in anger of and in fierce wrath of the cats of Gadol. By the way, the Svarim tell us the words Ba'af, Uvechema, Uvekatsef Gadol. We know that in Hebrew, every letter has the numerical value of Gematria. The numerical value of Ba'af, Uvechema, Uvekatsef Gadol are the final solution, Hapisron Hasofi. So that's an explicit allusion to the Holocaust. But then in Parsis Nitzavim, which is the year 1940 to 2040, the Torah tells us after World War I and after the Holocaust, God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children. The Pasuk says, The Torah will not be forgotten by your descendants. Descendants that may have forgotten the Torah for 600 years since 1492, that Torah will not be forgotten. And the Torah says, You will return to the Lord. Now, we always thought that meant the Balchuva movement in the aftermath of the Holocaust. <laughs> right. But now we're seeing the Balchuva movement is much more expansive than just maybe traditional Jewish families that have veered off. Part of the Chuva movement is an international 
tshuva movement the way the Abarbanel describes, and I would I would assert that the Abarbanel's prophecy is alluded to here in Parshas Nitzavim, and this explains something amazing. If if you give me another moment, you Take know all the moments you need. <laughs> Ramban Nachmanides, also from uh, uh, the great Spanish scholar. Uh, which we tra- I traced to that that great Spanish scholar. <laughs> really, and and my father's family was from his town in Girona. If you remember that that, that you said Kaddish for one of yes. my great grandfather, they were from the same town. Incredible, incredible. Ramban learns the Shavta at Hashem is a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah in the Torah to do tshuva. The Ramban says. This commandment that I command you today, it's not far from you, it's not difficult, it's close to you. And the Ramban identifies it as the mitzvah of teshuva. Rambam, Maimonides, seems to say teshuva is not a mitzvah. Maimonides says, you know, when you do teshuva, when you get around to it, make sure, make sure you say vidoy confession. And all the commentaries ask, teshuva is not a mitzvah? The Torah says, you will return. How could Maimonides learn tshuva is not a mitzvah? It's just when you do it, you should confess. Rabbi Betzalel Jolti, one of the great rabbis of Jerusalem, he explained the reason why Rambam learns tshuva is not a mitzvah is because it's not a commandment. It's a promise that the Jewish nation will do tshuva in the end of days. And the the exciting thing is that tshuva is only for the Jewish nation. Yes, it's only for us. We've explained this many times. But according to the Rambam, the Rambam understands teshuva is a promise that God makes to the Jewish people that in the end of days, we will return. And therefore, it can't be a mitzvah. Because if God promises it, then it has to happen. Then our three choices somewhat being tampered with, God never gives a mitzvah unless we have absolute free choice. And then the Rambam says, we are vouchsafed that we're going to do tshuva, and then we are vouchsafed that the geula will happen. So this, these prophetic times that we live in, where we see great Jews like like yourself, Mrs. Ivel, where you're just you know you're a pride for the Jewish people, and you're you're an inspiration for hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews who who are looking to your example. But you're a living prophecy of the Abarbanel and of the Sefer Devarim. And this is a prerequisite to the coming of the Geula. And, uh, you know, our prayers on Rosh Hashanah, interesting, prayers on Rosh Hashanah on Yom Kippur, instead of asking God in the Shemona essay, um, forgive us, help accept our tshuva, we, we don't mention tshuva at all in our prayers on Rosh Hashanah. It's all about rebuild Jerusalem, and bring Mashiach, and bring the Davidic dynasty. What happened to Tshuva? The answer is, what's the purpose of Tshuva? Why, why, why do we repent? We repent, the Rambam says, because repentance brings redemption. So in our Shemon we cut to the chase. Why, why would we ask God accept our Tshuva? The purpose of Tshuva is for the redemption. So we just cut right to the chase. God, redeem us already. That then obviously will have done teshuva. So, you know the, the the subject that you're that you write about and that you uh, make these wonderful documentaries is uh, so important for the destiny of our people because this is really uh, 
the prerequisite for the coming of the Gula. And we're just we're just waiting for more and more of our brothers and sisters to come back, and then uh, the, that could uh, that and then will we, usher and then, in the and great then day. That's it. The Mashiach comes, and I, I got to tell you, I I I'm really I'm just so I mean I'm awestruck. I don't even have words to articulate uh, what is what it has meant to me for Hashem to allow me any part in 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 any of this. You know, I mean, as you know. You know, I started out on the journey to, to investigate my own family. And out of that came all of this. And, you know, you think that you're doing something for yourself. And Hashem says, no, this is this is for, for everyone. And I think a lot of times in the conversal community, we've kind of bought, banded together this way. And, and we have said, when someone, when one of us succeeds, we have all succeeded. And I think, you know, it's so beautiful to even hear my own family talk about when they were smuggling Jews in from Spain and Portugal, that it didn't matter that they were from France, Spain, Portugal. They were all one and they were all in the same boat. It didn't matter. And I thought this was just such a wonderful thing. And to this day, the community, they don't act for themselves. Every decision is made for the community. And I'm thinking this is such a beautiful thing. And I pray that this is in the blood, in the heart of every Anus, um, that they would now hear the voice of their ancestors calling. The blood of their ancestors has been crying out from the grave to Hashem, and Hashem has heard those cries and remembered them. And I pray that this would be the time that the awakening will happen. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's interesting, even in the liturgy of the Slichos that we're going to say in Elo. And in the Tfilos of the High Holidays, there are additions or allusions to the great tragedy of um, of the Inquisition. You know, <laughs> one thing we always have to learn, Turkamada, the Grand Inquisitor, he had Jewish blood. Yes, he did. <laughs> and that's a very important lesson because we are always our own worst enemy. You know, whether in Russia, what... What, Ru- what Russia could not do to the Jewish people for 150 years, the Bolsheviks, who were mostly Jews, you know, the joke was, all the Bolsheviks are Jews except for Lenin, <laughs> even though Lenin, they didn't know Lenin had Jewish, his grandfather was Jewish. <laughs> and the Bolsheviks eradicated in 10 years any vestige of Judaism. That's always been the fate of our people, our biggest enemies. And it's the same in American Jewry. The greatest threat to Judaism in, in the United States of America are the breakaway groups who try to uh, change the tradition of Jewish observance. And, um, and all, all under the guise of enlightenment. Under the guise of enlightenment. So the same thing happened in Spain. And, you know, the, one of the al that we say on Yom Kippur, we say, under co for the sin that we sin before you, for coercion and willing sin. And one of the great rabbis, Rabbi Shua Leib Diskin, explained this was added because of the Spanish Inquisition, where you had Jews who began serving other religions because of coercion. And then the Ratzon, ultimately, they did it willingly. So it just it's amazing to see where, where the effects of uh, Spanish Inquisition has crept into 
um, our liturgy. Uh, in one of the slichos, we say, Act, God, for the sake of those who came into the fire. One of the great rabbis, Rabbi Shaw Brach, explains this is, uh, he, he cites Abarbanel, who, by the way, Beth Yosef, the Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, refers to Hanesher Hagado, the great ego, one of the most important personalities in our history. He would say that in time of the Inquisition, people felt that giving up their life was a, was such a great mitzvah. They did it, they, they ran to do it. So we say to God, act on behalf of those who came into the fire, who, who jumped into the fire. So this all played a role in our, in our liturgy. But one thing we do have to give credit to Ferdinand and Isabella. And I always like to say, you know, even though they figure they're going to destroy Judaism and they're going to wipe out every vestige of the Jewish people. But we know that the Spanish Inquisition uh, came to the expulsion was set for Thursday, August 2nd, 1492. And on August 3rd, 1493, um, three ships set sail. My to, grandfather uh, was the captain of that ship. <laughs> unbelievable. Really? And by the way, not only was Columbus my grandfather, but I have found out that Rabbi Abraham Senor was also my grandfather as well. So it's just amazing. I wonder sometimes if my Alta Zetas are up there saying, who would have thought that we would have a common granddaughter? Um, but it's been, a, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's just, it is so overwhelming even to know that information, to know how close that you are to this inquisition. Because when I think about my own journey, that I was told nothing about my family, I was in the dark, not raised in Judaism, and for Hashem to wake me up, Dafka in this particular area, and to confront my family, it just lets you know, there is a Hashem, He really is running the world, and it's not an accident what's happening to you right now. And it yeah. should give you great hizuk that Hashem is in control. But it's amazing that you're able to access this information and connect yourself so many hundred years back because Jews of Ashkenazic descent whose families like ours went through the Holocaust. And everything is destroyed. That everything is, is destroyed. We cannot connect back. We cannot connect back all those centuries. And, because... and, and privately, I'd love to show you some of these lines because you can start to see even the Jewish families who were marrying within each other in Spain. It's a, it's a really wonderful um they had a, it's like you said they they were all in it together they really they were just marrying each other and um but this is this is what the the spanish the catholic church has done they kept such tight records um that they were they, you know and they were very good at least and especially in puerto rico where you would name the father and the mother and their parents so it's very clear who your family was um, now, for for me in particular, there was so much endogamy within the family that it was really easy to to trace. And Columbus, I think, appears more times than any other. Uh, I think Colonimus probably that Colonimus line and the the Levy line probably is like second. But Columbus appears more times as my grandfather than any other, more than my mother appears. <laughs> so wow. unbelievable. So you know. And the uh, the irony of history again is that they try to wipe out every vestige of uh, of Judaism, but they were the ones who discovered and paid and commissioned 
and did not allow us to marry into the 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 the, the true the true Catholics. They yeah. we could only stay within each but, other. So in many ways, they did us a favor. So so they commissioned the discovery of the greatest haven that the Jewish people has ever had in the United States of America. All the yeshivos, all the Torah learning, all the kolalim, all the shuls owe a great debt of gratitude to uh, Ferdinand and Isabella for commissioning uh, uh, what Columbus. <laughs> so, you know, they thought they thought the Inquisition, the expulsion, was bringing an end to Judaism. Little did they know they're the greatest architects of Torah in the history of the world. You know, every yeshiva should have a big plaque courtesy of Ferdinand and Isabella. <laughs> you know, so... So I want to I want to say thank you so much. You know, we're coming to an end, but I before we get to an end, I want to talk about now, guys, first of all, if you thought this was amazing. I promise you there is so much more where that came from. I'm going to be putting Blinetta, I'm going to be putting on some links to where you can see the rub. But there's also another link. And, and I'm telling you guys, you have to get out. And, and now I got this book because the rub gifted to me years ago when it first came out and we kind of did a book swap. Right. And this yeah. is my little book, right? This is my little book. And yeah. this was his like book. So I, I must say ahead of young Kipper, because I feel like you got the short end of the stick. I got the better deal here, <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you this book guys, first of all, it opens up with a powerhouse, like get it before Rosh Hashanah. I promise you it is worth you getting this book. Cut to the front of the line, no pun intended, and I don't want to give away the beginning. But if you want to learn the secrets of how to get yourself to the front of the line, this book has it. And it's not a book that you'll read one time and it's over. I've already pulled this book out. I think this is the third year I'm going to be pulling this book out wow. since, it, since it came. It, it is your must. It is like your guide to Rosh Hashanah and all the Hagim that are coming up in the high holidays. And I pray Bezrat Hashem that we can have you back on to talk about your other book um, that speaks with about Hanukkah. But this book, it's just, I don't even know where to start. It's such a great book. I highly recommend, no matter where you are, whether you are in the conversion process, whether you've converted, whether you are very learning, this book is for you. It's put out by Art Scroll. Again, Bellinetta, I'm going to put some links. The Rav has so graciously given us a code, a discount code for not only 10% off, but for shipping. I'm going to have that code in the description box. So please check it out. I, I promise you it is, it is worth it. And I want to thank you again so much, Rav, for coming out, for imparting words to, to, you know, to this community. I pray that Bezrat Hashem, everyone who is out there, um, and I know many of you crying, and and waiting for your return, please continue. Hashem has heard you. He is hearing you. Please, I promise you that wherever a person wants to go, Shemaim will say amen. They will help you. And you will find yourself to the mikvah amen. and return amen. home amen. together amen. with Israel. I want to bless you. Yeah, you. Hashem should give you strength to keep up your amazing work, your inspiration and a pride for our people. And May all your your whole community continue in their holy path, and uh, they as they continue the holy path, they will we will all usher in together the coming of the great day of the redemption of our people, and uh, Bezos Hashem will all return to Yerushalayim, where that's where Spanish Jewry began oh, from. Yay. They all came from Yerushalayim. I mean. 
again, I want to thank you for, for, you know, coming on again. Please subscribe to the channel if you've not done before. And Bezrat Hashem, he will bring more great rabbis on to speak about this, especially for this community who is in such need of this kind of hizuk. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope this series has blessed you. And I pray that we'll all be together again soon. Bezrat Hashem. Amen, amen. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this video or know someone who would, please share it. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.